Welcome to the world's okayest mountain bike podcast. I'm your host, Clinton Sylvie. And boys, introduce yourself because uh, I I have uh, gotten a complaint from a very invested listener, also known as my wife, that she doesn't always know who's talking because we don't say our names enough. So let's just get that out of the way real quick. So All when, right. you, hear the, when am... you hear the giggles, we know who the giggles come from. Do you like need to say your name and then a giggle? You're not the giggler. Kyle's the giggler. <laughs> there it Kyle, is. Kyle, um, you should. So a friend of mine that I ride with, Bryce, he listens to podcasts at one and a half speed, sometimes two times speed, but mainly one and a half speed to make them go faster. And when you laugh, you sound like Alvin, the chipmunk. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I've also never I've also never heard of somebody listening to podcasts at an increased speed to get through them faster. Uh, it, he has no chance of understanding a single word I say. I speak at two times volume two times speed anyways. Yeah. Okay, well that's Kyle, everybody. All right, Ryan, now's your chance. Yeah, this is Ryan Brown. Uh <laughs> I don't know. All right. Now that we got that out of the way, um, I have to lead off with an apology to one of our listeners named Kevin, who is from the East Coast. Uh, Kevin emailed us weeks ago, and I did not see it or check it for about two weeks after he emailed us. And he was asking me for recommendations about Shepherd Mountain, and I totally dropped the ball and uh, didn't know it was there. So I did email him back with apologies. I don't know if he's already been to Shepherd or not, but we're sorry, Kevin. That's my fault. I should have. Kevin, we're kind of sorry. This is just an okay mountain bike podcast. I know, but I think that took, you know, if we say, tell people to email us and then they do, and then we we miss it, um, that's less than okay. And we aim to be at least okay. Yeah. A few days late on the reply, but maybe not two weeks. Okay. Well, hopefully Kevin's okay with it. Hopefully. Uh, The other thing we have to just get out of the way real quick is a big congratulations to the rest of our listeners for our successful peer pressure campaign because Kyle Krangle has bought a short travel bike and we have forced him to commit to doing the BT Epic next year. Clint, this podcast started, and all we used to talk about is enduro and racing downhill and dirt jumps and pump tracks. And now you guys are talking me into racing short travel bikes at marathon races. I don't like I don't know if I know if I like where this is going. Well, Kyle, it's called character development. And uh, nobody wants to watch a movie where there's no character development, right? I think it's called pain. That's what my track coach used to call it. How would he know anyway? Well, we uh, we successfully did it, everybody. So big congratulations to us on that. And if we have time in this one, we'll talk about Kyle's new bike. But something we want we want to do some more general topics today because I don't know, probably the last five or six episodes they've been very personal. Although we always get great feedback on the BT Epic podcast because. I think that's a race that so many people have done and they can relate to the stories. 
and I got a lot of really good feedback about that that I appreciate. But uh, today we got a couple topics, and yes, they're based in personal experience, but we're back back on track to doing some things that can be applied to everybody. And um, we're back, Kyle. I know we got you into this long travel stuff, but we're actually going back to our roots, which is more enduro-focused. I just did uh, a jam format enduro race down at Shepherd over the past weekend where you could do the stages as many times as you want, and it was shuttled, and it was a lot of fun, but it was the slickest I've ever ridden Shepherd Mountain, for sure. Uh, it was actually kind of greasy, muddy, for the most part, which still wasn't that bad. Uh, greasy, muddy, slippery at Shepherd is not as slick as a lot of other places, I can tell you that. So um, what I wanted to do, was, I don't think we've done this topic before, is mud race tips. And Ryan, you can chime in for mud race tips, whether it's cross country or whatever. But... Um, those were kind of the, the conditions we were in. I mean, it rained all Saturday night and uh, Sunday morning, and it fi- we started basically right after the rain stopped and got lucky. It really didn't rain anymore, but it was wet. Um, in fact, it was so wet that I think it was better than it would have been if it was just a little bit wet because it was that kind of where you basically, your bike, you came down, you didn't have all this sticky mud you more just had like splash residue. Tires were clean because it was so wet, nothing was sticking. Um, well, that's kind of nice, though. It was. It wasn't that bad. You know, so, you don't get it all gunked up on the bike and any of your drivetrain and all that stuff. That's that's probably pretty good, actually. Yeah, it was nice, but uh, there's still definitely um, some good tips to have that I want to go through pretty quick. And they are probably tips that, I don't know, you're, I mean, you'll probably be hearing somewhere else, but things that I noticed uh, that I was doing, one one or two things in particular that I literally was the only person I saw doing, or at least was the first person I saw doing this. So one major thing is, if you're going to a mud race, you need goggles, okay, that's, a lot of people had goggles, that's fine, but you've got to plan on getting those goggles dirty and then having a way to clean them and keep them clean and out of the rain. I was the only person I saw doing this. It's not the first time I've done this. Um, But what I did was I knew it was going to be wet. I got a gallon size Ziploc bag and a a washcloth, like soft cotton washcloth. And I kept my goggles in that bag all day. Uh, and I, I'd take them out, put them on, do a stage, get to the bottom, go clean them off gently with the soft wash rag. Try to maybe pat like the dirt off first so I won't scratch them. Get them really clean, put them back in the Ziploc bag, keep them there until I'm at the next stage. Uh, That's a good so, idea. Yeah, I mean, I had good vision all day uh, and I had lots of people looking at me like, oh, man, that's the way to do it because – if you're trying to keep them on your helmet or whatever in a pocket, your gloves get damp. Your like you can't be careful enough to keep them clear. And I saw a lot of people in the bathroom using paper towels, and you can maybe pat the water off with paper towels. But if you 
keep scrubbing them with paper towels over and over, you're eventually going to scratch them up pretty bad. So, so Clinton, that, that tip right there comes straight from your moto roots, Mm -hmm. right? You go to the line on mud race with, uh, with your goggles in a plastic bag. Was anybody running tear off or roll off? I didn't see any tear offs or roll offs. And I thought about putting some on, but for a place like Shepherd, I think the tear offs is more to me, it's just a quicker way to clean them at the bottom of the stage for the next stage because I really don't, I cannot <laughs> think of a single foot of trail where I would be willing to take my hand off the handlebar, reach up, and pull a tear off. Maybe on trolley track somewhere. Sure. But not on Mineshaft, not on Mountain Street, not on Element 26, and probably not even on trolley where I would feel comfortable reaching up and grabbing a tear off. I think maybe on Element there's one moment where you could kind of sit down and do it real fast, but to me, yeah. it's not worth it. No, for sure. It'd be a, it'd just be nice at the bottom, just rip one off and you got a fresh set, stick it in your ziplock till you get to the yeah. top. I think so roll offs would work better for that. Um, just cause you know, tear offs sometimes you can get water behind them and then you're you've got to take them all off anyway. Sure. Now just curious, were you guys in your moto careers, were you guys tear offs on the jumps guys, or where did you guys typically do tear offs at a moto race? um jumps mostly but like if you had a good flat straight like the start straight or something you'd always grab them probably too yeah now, can you guys, can you can you guys comfortably do one-handers on a mountain bike no no not at no. all <laughs> no problem on a dirt bike not on a mountain bike yeah dirt yeah, bike i'll do no handers no problem uh no footers one hand no feet whatever mountain bike <laughs> No, everything stays on the bike. The only time my foot comes off is if I am doing a whip and it accidentally unclips. I think on a bike, you know, Clinton, like for me, and and, and there's certainly people that are a lot better skilled riders, especially at jumping than myself, but mountain bike's so light. Like, I feel like if I remove one hand, I totally lose my balance, whereas like a dirt bike is pretty balanced. If you take your hand off, it's not affecting the balance of the the machine. That's what I was, and that's what I was curious about. Cause like I, there was definitely times like I, you know, in my heyday of doing dirt jumps and stuff like that on the right jump or right fly, fly outs, I could do a lot of stuff, but like even on a jump, I could, I could pull my hands off. I wouldn't quite call it a tuck no hander. I wouldn't call it a suicide no hander. I could do stuff like that. Like on fly outs, like just a fly out of a quarter land flat, like not try to make it to a transition, just make it safely back on the bars and land flat somewhere like on a quarter up to a flat landing. I could do actually me and Scotty Gettemeyer spent like a couple nights, like I was probably eight years ago working on it up at up at a couple different skate parks and i could get one handers pretty regularly and like tuck no handers and stuff like that but like i just don't know if i'd feel comfortable even on a big on a big mountain bike jump pulling pulling hands off like in compared to a motor i think you're right it's just got to be it's just got to be yeah. the stability the motorcycle kind of flies itself as long as everything goes right off the takeoff yeah, yeah i don't know how to get a dirt bike in the air so that sounds crazy to me yeah so yeah goggle management a clean washcloth or two i've even had multiple sets of goggles on me for a race a couple of years ago i think it was 2019 chub enduro where it just rained and rained and rained and i borrowed a jacket from kyle i had <laughs> goggles in my pockets like two different sets 
So uh, something to think of, Clinton, is two things: uh, spare gloves in your uh, in your in your bag as well, clean gloves, and a separate towel, not the same towel you would use to clean your goggles with, to clean your grips. If you were to lay it over in a stage and get mud all over your grips or water, kind of clean uh, them and yeah. dry. Yeah, yeah, I maybe this one it wasn't as necessary because we were going back down to the bottom. Uh, where the pavilion and bathrooms were every lap. Yeah. yeah. And so you didn't have to carry as much nearly. I mean, I just carried a water bottle and that was it. Like I didn't, I didn't need anything. Um, but in other races where you might have multiple stages before you get to where really anywhere that there's yeah. eight or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Although I've found with mountain biking, well, this brings me to the next point. The, the mud is just different. Um, I know we, it's been a long time since we've hit tires really hard. My personal opinion is, is in the Midwest where we live, in this whole region, I, as far as I can tell, maybe it's different up in Kansas City. I, so our trails, you don't need mud spike tires because... What we usually have is some thin, wet dirt that's not too deep, but there's a lot of rock. Rock in it, yeah. And gravel. Or at Shepherd, there's no gravel. It's just granite. And a mud spike tire does not grip wet rock better than than a regular soft compound tire. In fact, it can be a lot worse. Yeah. I mean, I, I think... Basically, you just need downhill spec, soft compound rubber, and for the most part, run the same tires you run when it's dry. Uh, especially with the conditions we had at Shepherd, like I said, the mud wasn't deep, uh, it wasn't sticky, and so you didn't need you don't need these tiny little mud spike knobs to dig because what you're hitting as you're going is mostly you're hitting a little patch of dirt, but then you're right back into a granite rock. And so, especially if you've got rock slabs, you don't want a mud spike tire. Um, you, it, it's not going to grip as well. You need, yeah. you still need the same rubber contact. So I don't really think that tire-wise, maybe, like I said, maybe when I raced in Kansas City before, there's just not any trails around here. To me, it's it doesn't look anything like what you see when you watch EWS like Rotorua, New Zealand, or that year they went to Columbia and it was just like peanut butter mud everywhere, not a rock in it. Um, maybe no, some yeah. cups. Nothing out here in the Midwest anyways. Yeah, so... It's all pretty chossy. Yeah, I don't see any need for anything like a Maxis Shorty uh, or, or anything like that. You know, I'm not saying you want a full-blown hard pack, hard pack tire, but I was running Butcher's front and rear. I think that was fine. I think Maxxis, Asegi, or DHR2, or whatever, I think all that would have been basically equally fine. Um, so just keep in mind that wet conditions and muddy conditions are not the same, and, and a hard surface like rocks, they're still hard surfaces whether they're wet or dry. Right. And so don't overthink your tires and don't, I would say you don't need to go out and buy some mud spike, you know, Maxis wet screams or something like that. I think they probably would be terrible 
somewhere like Shepard in any condition. Now, did the moisture have any effect on pressure for you? Like, do you do you pressure down a little bit just to go for a little bit more traction, or do you did you mess with it at all? I did for this race. Um, I did drop a little bit. And I did find today for the first time ever. I do have a little bit of a dent in my front rim, like along the edge. It's still true, and the spokes are all still tight there. But I saw there's a there's a dent, and I thought, well, maybe I went a little too low. Um, but I think a bigger reason I went lower on that pressure or at least felt comfortable to do so was because of the stages we were running. Yeah. You weren't we running been, that. We weren't running stages with a lot, with big, big impacts. Uh, we weren't running powder keg and cannonball where you have a lot of these high speed, we're just nailing rocks, um, that are big and square edge. And so but I still was running a lot of pressure for compared to a lot of people. I was running 27 in the rear, but that's with a massive insert. Um, I think I was like 21 in the front, but that's a 2.6 tire and an insert. I think, or maybe I was running 20. Uh, I think I went about a pound too too low in the front, but that seems low, anyways. I don't think I ever usually run that low. Like I'm, I'm still, uh, was, you know, it, with, it's yeah, a wider 20. tire, so it's not as low. If it was a a narrower tire it would be it probably be like the equivalent of running 22 on a 2.3 okay um, that's fairly close to around i think i went too low on it but it still it worked whatever um but that had more to do with the trails that we were running where i was like okay i still think i can get away with this without damage um another tip for muddy racing is uh now I'm going to preface this by saying I did not win. So I don't know what the two guys that beat me were doing, but I'm just telling you, these tips are good enough to get you to a third place. All right. So <laughs> if you're currently getting fourth and you want to move up to third. Well, we can at least get you there. Uh, but actual riding technique, uh, my first rundown, I did mine shaft for my first, I was way too timid. And you can probably ride more aggressively than you think you can in wet conditions on a mountain bike. But I will also say this is when you, especially if you got rock, have rocks, rock slabs to deal with, uh, break early and then get off the brakes on the rocks. You, yep. you have the most traction that you're going to have. If you need the bike to go straight and it's off camber or you're going down a rock slab, do your braking in a straight line early and then get off those brakes all the way down the, the slab of rock if you if at all possible, because you're going to have the most traction that way. Um, I think a lot of people panic brake and they're just trying to they're, they're just trying to control speed and go slower, but. Sometimes you're going too slow and you're just going to end up sliding sideways because you've got that back brake locked up or whatever. Whereas if you had just let off of it, your bike would have just rolled straight. No problem. So it's one of those things you need to you kind of have to take control of your brain and say, OK, brake early. But when it gets off camber or whatever, you've got to get off the brakes to keep from sliding out. Kind of what the analogy I always like to tell people, Clinton, is you, you have less time on that contact patch so you have less time for error 
right? Like if that's if that rock slab is wet and slick, the longer you're on that rock slab, the more time you have to make a mistake. Yeah. Now this comes know. from a guy who crashes his brains out at every enduro, every enduro. So take that with a grain of salt, folks. Well, the other yeah. way to look at it too is like driving your car in the snow. Like if you're on the brakes heavy in the snow, your car is going to lock up and you're going to skid out of control. A lot of times, if you just lift off the brake and let the car corner it'll corner without much input you know what i mean like you'll, you'll hold a corner better in the snow off the brakes than you will on the brakes yeah. as long as you set up correctly for the corner going into it yeah when you yeah when your brakes are locked up in any condition this applies to dry not just mud when you have a wheel that's locked up literally the only place it can go is in a straight line with the inertia it had when it locked up you you literally can't turn with a locked up wheel um are we getting into a physics lesson here? Clint? We can, but no, 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 no. We don't need to go down that rabbit hole. I mean, this, I, this changed, you know, and this is at motorcycle racing, but it really completely changed my motorcycle riding when I went to Millsaps training facility doing the, wasn't a figure eight track, but it was basically just 180 degree ruts, just constantly, just back and forth, back and forth, uh, just in a field. And Colleen Millsaps threatened me with pushups and all this stuff. And basically made me stop using my back brake completely because I'd slide into these ruts, but my bike wouldn't track nicely around them and I couldn't get on the gas. I was really slow. She made me quit using my back brake. She's like, I'm going to put my hand on your brake disc. I better not burn my hand <laughs> when you come back because you better not be using it. And I learned to use my front brake more but basically to let that back tire just roll and track the ground and it completely changed how i rode ruts and now i went from a guy who actively avoided ruts and turns and looked for a line that had the shallowest rut to a guy that was looking for ruts to use because i love them and it's kind of like that on bikes with you know it's in in bicycle riding this is always funny to me because this was not a thing in motorcycles. People love videos of people just skidding, like just ch -ch 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 -ch, just come sliding, skidding into everything. You know, everyone likes a good uh, berm slash where you're not on the brakes, but you, you basically pop your tire off the rim. You're not braking at your maximum potential if you're locked up. You actually are braking the hardest at the point just before they lock up and it's part of mountain bike culture to like just we love now trail builders hate when you skid but oh boy it looks cool on video but i've that is not the best way to come into a corner so now no, i'm gonna add a little bit of dad humor here if you're the dad yelling at the kid in the street because you got to buy him a tire you're in the wrong era right <laughs> like we have skid contests out front all right dads yeah. if you don't like it get your go. get your kid a bike with hydraulic disc brakes and then come tell me that <laughs> kyle <laughs> and 50 dollar 50 dollar tubeless tires <laughs> take your attitude on this kyle oh uh, <laughs> no I mean, no, you're you're right. So Connor has we we've we've got a no skids rule, and he's Connor is incredibly good about it. So he will skid on gravel 
and in grass and he'll do a bunch of it in the grass. Like he'll, he'll constantly just like run into the grass and then wipe out skid, but he doesn't skid on the concrete. We, we've talked about it a lot. He's done, he's done really, really good. It wasn't even that much of a conversation either. When we first started talking about it, he just said, okay. And then that was that. So he's, he's, he's got pretty good brake control actually. Uh, what's your kid's favorite candy? Yes. No, uh, no, lemon heads. It's very weird. I don't know why. Lemon heads? All right, cool. I'm going to bribe them with lemon heads to put skid marks out in front of your house. Don't you do it, man. I can't afford them tires. <laughs> hey, right. hey, hey, Carl texted in. Carl Hansen, my neighbor, okay. that kicked all our butts at BT Epic. Okay. Uh, he wants you to know. That kicked your butts? Huh? You mean the roadie that kicked your butts? Yeah, the roadie that kicked our butts. <laughs> uh, and he texted in. He wants to know, best mid-race meal. Thanksgiving pie or Christmas cookies? <laughs> what kind of race? That's a, that is a very good question, Kyle. Because it all depends on intensity. Uh, Trick question. It, it's always cookies. I mean, yeah, I think the pie would be a little heavy. You know what I miss? Gosh, this podcast is going everywhere. Little Debbie. Ryan used to make they were Christmas wreath cookies. They were like little shortbread cookies covered in like a white icing and they had like little red dot sprinkles and green. Do you know what I'm talking about? The shortbread spiced wreath cookies? No, I don't think I do. They don't make them anymore. It's been a couple years since they quit making them. Those were my favorite. Those would be awesome mid-ride. Because they're they're kind of light, they weren't too heavy, but oh man, <laughs> this has gone off the rails. Man, hey, I'm, last I'm... tip, we gotta get back. Uh, if you don't have a little front fender on your bike, get one, because it does make a difference on how much mud gets on your goggles during a staged. Yeah, I could see that. My new bike came with a fender. Should I run it? Really? It. The fork, like, I don't know how or why, but they, they, it's the only fork in the lineup that comes with the fender. Every other fork in their lineup, you have to purchase the fender separately. For some reason, this fork came with, like, their little mini bolt-on fender in the in the box. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. On that kind of bike, I don't think it matters as much, but I don't know. Might as well. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how many grams it is. I got to weigh it first. There we go. Now we're talking. All right. So here's a question to, to both of you guys. Now, Ryan, Ryan, you just raced the Epic. Kyle, I don't Kyle, what was the last time you raced a bike in an official race? Ooh, uh, uh, BMX state, uh, state qualifier this year. Okay. Yeah. So in general, and you can qualify this with whatever kind of racing you prefer. What is, what, like, give me like, Two or three of your favorite things about racing. Specifically racing, not riding, but specifically about racing. About racing or about race day, like what we talked about previously? Yes. Okay. Just something that's unique Uh, to there needs to be a race happening to get this experience. So, huh, interesting. I don't know. For me, it's all about the work done ahead of time and getting myself in better fitness. 
Yeah, let's well, let's go around the horn. Let's go one at a time. So okay, I'll follow. I'll follow that. That was my first one too. Was uh, the reason for chasing fitness, like having a goal and a reason to say I have to go ride my bike. I'm very sorry. I'm preparing for this thing. <laughs> so the preparation for it, I do like that. Okay. Wait, you like the preparation, or you like the result the preparation gives you? No, no, no. I've never been happy with the result of racing in my life. Hardly. <laughs> I, I, I like the preparation. All right. Huh. I I don't know that I do like that part. I might have to save that for one of my least favorite things about it. Um, I will say, though, I like... I like... There, there's something about it being race day where... Although I don't think... I don't feel like I do this as much now at least i didn't in the mud race i was pretty cautious uh this past weekend but in general i have usually always liked the the excuse like i know this course has been cleared nobody's coming up and i have no like now is the time to see how fast i can really do it like this there's just something like you can't I can't get myself quite to that zone when it's a training day and I'm looking at my Strava time or whatever. I can get, you know, 98% of the way there, but there's something about being a race. I just like the fact that, like, here's the moment where this you give it everything you've got and see what you can actually do. I can understand that, though. In this particular section of trail. Yeah, that's a good one. And I just don't think you can replicate that exactly in training maybe some guys can i'm not one of them i also like the environment on race day in general just people there excited some are there for fun some are there to win you know and people all in between and i think i think that's what's fun at least in 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 mountain biking from what i've seen and 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 i actually like that and i think that maybe comes from uh you know Clinton in from a, from years and years of moto like nobody's like that at the moto track it's very serious intense from everybody including the parents who aren't even racing um and so like like and I'm all for being competitive like I love being competitive but I also have learned to appreciate somebody who just shows up because they want to be around the environment and could really care less about the result they're just having a good time and I like that. hundred percent. Like Clint, we've talked about this actually. Clint talked about this this week a bit, but I, I love the, I love the race day party. I absolutely love it. And that's why I go to, I go to four or five races every year. And I only race in one or two a year. I mean, next year is going to have to be different if I'm going to try to do what I want to do, but no, I love race day party, man. And, and I just, the camaraderie, I like being around, like I like, I love bikes. I love talking bikes. And obviously, you know, we do a lot of that here, but if, you know, if you want to talk to me about your bike, I always want to talk about bikes. I like looking at other people's bikes and I like that everybody there is into bikes enough to be entering a race, which means they're in they're, they're bike people. They're not just like a person with a bike. And I, so I love all that. I like, I like, you know, uh, all of it. I like the party. I like, I love the race day party and this people buzzing the energy, uh, the cowbells, the, you know, the chainsaws. I like all of it. 
I do. I do. Uh, I need this. Actually, I guess does need to be my top three. Uh, we didn't really have it this year at. Well, we didn't have it at the Enduro Jam, but at the BME, I love a good heckle zone for Enduro. I actually, I've seen it at a race that had a uh, cross country race one day and Enduro race the next day, but the cross country riders used some of the Enduro courses, and they had a heckle zone on one of the enduro stages as the cross country people came through and it was a technical section it was steep and rocky and the hecklers were hilarious and <laughs> even better than <laughs> during enduro i love a good heckle zone like oh yeah and the first year of the bme when i got sick and i couldn't race it um I think my sister was walking up with me on a stage, but nobody was heckling. And I think it's because it was the first time people had seen Cannonball and we hadn't really seen anything like it in the Midwest before. And it was wet and people were crashing everywhere. And I think the crowd just kind of felt bad for people and was being very encouraging. Uh, But I was not. (laughs) So as people were coming through, uh wherever i was as i was hiking up i was i was letting them have it you know actually heckling and uh i think we need more of that like, oh it man i have like, to be like I, mean I, mean but we need some good spirited you know heckling like one of the best ones ever very simple not too creative but that race where the cross-country riders were coming down uh one of them was walking their bike through the section and one of the hecklers was like Hey, you need to hurry up. There's mountain bikers coming behind you. <laughs> See, I I like I positive. I like positive heckling or creative and clever. Like that's creative and clever enough, but like there's there it, it can go both ways, man. Like I I just like sharing the stoke. So I personally I would prefer all positive heckling unless you've got something very witty and clever to say. Like that's that's funny enough. <laughs> and the guy walking the bike probably thought it was funny too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not I, I don't want hecklers to like be cussing people out and like just being ignorant but yeah it's got to be be in the spirit of the guy you're yelling it at has to crack a smile while you're yelling it and if it's and if it's not that then it's then it's probably then it's too mean and maybe i'm just a wuss i just like positivity okay get let's get one more and we'll 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 go opposite to least favorite things go ahead ryan you're at the bottom of my screen so (laughs) crossing the finish line behind clinton (laughs) <laughs> that's right ryan you're still over with me wait wait is that are we are we on least favorite things or is that a favorite uh, thing oh wait wait yeah we're still on favorite things ryan oh that's not my favorite thing don't you try and spin it that way no we caught it it's your turn for a favorite thing oh i thought we were switching gears to least favorite uh, we're gonna do one more favorite Oh, my, uh, my, 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 my third favorite thing. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the food afterwards. It's just like a good meal and a beer, you know, it's just, I enjoy that. That's I do awesome. too. Yeah. So my favorite, my next favorite that I can probably put on that list is the, the night before gear and bike prep. Like I, 
you know, as most everybody knows, I, I, you know, I run a pretty decent bike shop out of my house. And so I constantly have something in the stand that I'm working on, but I like having an excuse and a need to just put the bike in the stand and go over it with a fine tooth comb and get everything dialed in, check shock pressure, fork pressure, tire pressure, true the wheels, like really go through it. And I, don't, I, I make basic adjustments and I do basic checks kind of like throughout the season. But anytime I've ever raced, I'm checking flow, I'm tech checking sealant levels in the tires and all that stuff. And it's mostly because I race so infrequently that I don't have to do that that often. Um, and if I race as much as you guys did, maybe I wouldn't do as much of a thorough check, but I always love the excuse to get the bike in the stand, really tear into it, get all your gear set up, get your bag packed, get your food sorted out, get your water bottles and like creating that plan. And I, I, I like the planning stages of that with the gear. I like this doesn't happen every time I race, especially the first year, almost never. I really like the feeling at the end of a race being satisfied with my effort and my, if I didn't make a bunch of mistakes or like, I like, I like finishing a race without having regrets about choices I made during the race. So, you know, for example, like the BME, other than cannonball where I made two major, major mistakes. But when I think about how much time they cost me, it probably wouldn't have changed my result. Maybe I get fourth instead of fifth, but like, who cares? Right. Um, But I can say other than that, I I didn't come down at the bottom of any stages and was like, ah, oh, I I could have pedaled harder. Oh, I I I was too hesitant here, whatever. Like I was riding where at the the edge of my comfort level at the time. Yeah, I look back, I could have pedaled more on on no man's land. I could have done this, but I was pretty satisfied with how hard with how I tried. Uh, BT Epic, obviously. <laughs> Could not have done it any faster uh, by the end. I mean, that was, and just being satisfied with, you know, if Ryan had beat me and it had been something like where I was like, ah, I still had energy, I I held it back too much or whatever. I hate that, but finishing a race satisfied with how hard I tried and also with something like, oh my gosh, you made a huge mistake and like, went off the track completely and made a wrong turn and it cost you a minute, you know, something dumb like that. Uh, I just like that feeling because then I'm, I don't want to leave a race and sit there and think, Oh, if only I had done this, if only I had done that, then my result would have been significantly different. I'm thinking like that satisfied feeling of like, so like this past weekend, the two guys that beat me, they beat me by such a big margin. You know, maybe if I'd have done that third run on Mountain Street and that third run on Mineshaft, I could have knocked off another 10 seconds total. But it still wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been enough. And so I was good. Like I was like, okay, you know, this is just where I'm at. This is this is the this is the position. This is the best position I realistically could have finished in. I think that's the best way to phrase it is did I finish in the best position I realistically could have finished? 
And as long as I do that, I'm pretty happy. Sounds good. Okay. Now, least favorite things. I already said mine. It's losing. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That's a good one. Well, give, us another, give us another one, Ryan, or we'll come and, around to you. We'll come around and, to you, Kyle. But, but you're not even going to challenge me for next year, huh? I got to think about it. I got to think about it. I'm pretty motivated. Hey, man, I started to offer that. You know, to let you, you know, double or nothing with your money or whatever, and you said no, and you already paid it, so no takey, no takesies, backsies. <laughs> I'm not taking backsies. All I'm saying is that neither of you have ever beat me at the BT Epic. This is true. True. <laughs> Maybe we should make a bet with Ky- Ryan. If Kyle beats either, if Kyle beats us, we we get his give pay his entry fee. Yeah, Kyle, you want the hour bet? I, it, it, I listen. If I end up at that start line in October next year, it's going to be a win for me. <laughs> but an hour bet. What? All right. What time frame would you be comfortable with? I would not feel wildly successful unless I was sub seven. If I get, if I, if I like, I feel like sub seven is a realistic goal. Close to six would be obviously where you guys where you guys were at. I think I'm capable of, or I'm capable of getting to. Um, nothing past that though. I mean, like if I can get into this this six ish range, but really if I'm sub seven, I'd be happy. All right. Finishing, I'll be stoked if I finish. But I mean, yeah, sub sub seven sub seven to me would be an an effort that would show that I am in better physical shape than I've probably ever been in as far as writing goes. Um, and then sub seven would show me that, that, that I, I put in enough work to be successful. Maybe we'll let our listeners decide on a bet for us. Yeah. I mean, I, basically, if you can just keep moving, you can probably get sub seven. Well, here's what I'm trying to figure out. Is that, I mean, the, the pace that we finished that last 10 miles at, I cannot do for 55 miles at least not on that bike in that period of my fitness. Like you guys were smoked and I couldn't run that, that rate like that. I couldn't do that for 55 miles. Right. And you think, I mean, we were, don't get me wrong. We were both trying as hard as we could, but we were definitely go like literally going slower than we did the first 30 miles. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like Without- a lot slower. No, no, totally. and, and that's what I mean. So like, if I'm going to try to get to that time frame, I mean, I'm going to have to put on a pretty good amount of fitness. No, not great. No, don't me wrong. I was riding a 33, 30, 33 and a half pound bike, um, which doesn't, I mean, to me, that really doesn't matter though. You know what I mean? Like that fitness bike will help bike bike is small percentages of gain, not large fitness is 90% of it. You know what I mean? Like a fit, like the guy who finished four three fifty eight could have probably finished 420 on my bike. You know what I mean? Right. No, Uh, once you get on your new bike, it will change the way you ride because something happens psychologically on a smaller bike where when you're on a big bike, you you're just living for the downhills and getting up the hill is just the means to get down, to go downhill. Right. But there's something, I mean, don't even, the downhills are still really fun on the small bikes. But 
there's something about being on one that's smaller and lighter and it just makes you want to try to to go fast everywhere so it will i mean i rode at saint joe park today it was covered in leaves i really wasn't going that fast but i enjoyed it on this on my iso in a way that i've never enjoyed it before because i didn't I, there's just something psychologically that happens where it's like, hey, if I put the power into this bike going up this hill, it's going to go forward and it's going to reward me. And it makes you want to it makes you want to ride faster. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to it. I hope so. this is going to be by far the smallest bike I've ever owned. I've never owned anything under 140 mils of travel. I've never and it's been six years since I've owned anything five years since I've owned anything less than 30 pounds, like really under 30 pounds, like with a water bottle and a tool set and like pedals, you know what I mean? I've owned 28, 29 pound bikes, but like on ride day, it's still 30 pounds. Okay. Well, anyway, did we even get to your least favorite thing about racing? My least favorite thing about racing is, and the reason why I stopped racing many years ago is just fear. Um, I have never been able to, at least, you know, it's since kids anyways, I, I've never been able to put in the time and maybe even I guess pre-kids too, to really dial in a race day pace and understand what my body can do for what period of time. Um, and even if I've gotten pre-ride, pre-ride laps at the course, um, n- no matter what, you know, when the gun goes off per se, I can't, and I have always struggled to talk my body out of doing things it can't do. And so no matter what, no matter how I practice, how many laps I've got, I, during race day, like, cause I've, mo- I've never done an endurance race before. I've only ever done enduro racing, downhill racing, sprint racing, dual slalom, four cross BMX, stuff like that. So it's, it's high energy, high effort, short period of time stuff. And so no matter what I'm doing, I pull a little harder on the jumps. I pump a little harder on the, on the backsides and I get an extra pedal stroke or two between each and every feature, no matter what. And then I cannot get myself to push that hard on race day or on practice day. And so on race day, the pace is always different. I'm breaking later and I'm carrying more speed. And I classically have only ever gotten hurt cycling on race day. Um, and so that's, that's my least favorite thing about race day is that it's hard for me to get through that mental barrier. Like the races that I did this year, um, I didn't have that, but I had zero expectations of results. And um, those previous races I was doing, I was doing and wanted to get a a good result. So this year, you know, I kind of changed the way I look at it and did make it more enjoyable when I could look at it with that perspective. But the the fear of pushing past what I can comfortably on race day is always still there. I think mine is, and I'm really going to try in the coming years in this year to not do this but all last spring getting ready for the bme which my goal was like top three in the expert top five for sure was like kind of like if i don't get at least top five i've failed and i got fifth so we're good um but i don't like the fact that leading up to that i was so focused on that race i don't even think this helped me being that focused on it i think probably hurt me but just trying to like do everything right to try to peak at the right time and it was taking away from me doing other things i enjoyed like i didn't ride my motorcycle as much i didn't go on just fun rides with people as much i i spent like all my time down at the mountain for a a while 
and I don't I didn't I don't like how much I care about my result and it kind of burned me out for something that doesn't really matter and so I think this year I want to race more than I did this past year I want to ride more than I did if I can but I kind of want to care less about the result but in doing so I think I'll end up doing just as good or better than I ever have because I'm riding more you know the um and I think if you're just riding more and developing skills on the bike and getting fitter because you're eating right and riding more you're going to do better regardless I mean cater cater merch who I didn't have a clue who he was but apparently he's in the St. Louis area, he rips on cross country. He did the Enduro Jam this weekend. It was his first ever like gravity oriented race. And he beat me by like 40 something seconds. Uh, so a good bike rider is a good bike rider, man. Like if you rip, you rip. And I don't think he was worried at all about prepping for Shepherd Mountain Enduro. Uh, are you trying to guilt me right now from pressuring to, to guilt you? Are you are you trying to guilt me from pressuring you into our, a little bet for next year? Nah, because I think if I just enjoy trying- it, like ride more for fun even and do longer rides and stuff that I'll I'll do better. I mean, Ryan, honestly, my number one thing I got to do, which I just struggle so hard, I just have to eat better and lose weight, man. Like. I need to lose like 15 pounds and I think it'll be close again. I'm not saying I'm going to beat you again, but I think I'm going to ride enough to be competitive. How's that? All right. Yeah. Kyle, you might really like this kind of race format, even though you think you're going to hate it because there's nothing to be afraid of. Like, right. No, no, you're right. You got to think of it as I'm just going to go ride my bike for like seven hours just riding my bike <laughs> that's how you gotta think of it yeah and it's it's it'll be fun it, it'll be really fun for me to look at riding a different way too because like like you said i've only ever looked at going up a hill as a means to an end like i have to climb the hill because i like the descent on the other side you know what i mean like or i like this section but it's like if really if i'm if i'm on the pedals like i'd rather just not be you, you know what i mean i just i'd rather not be pedaling and then that goes for i mean pretty much everything i'm riding if i have to pedal i just like all i'm thinking is i wish i wasn't pedaling right now <laughs> you know and that's why i like downhill and stuff like that and because stuff that flows well is that you can just kind of pump your way through it and like that's just how i ride though i've only i you know except for the few occasions you know that i did i did race i always i always did the eureka springs race um, I did that and had a good, I had good results out of Eureka Springs. I was placing, I was usually taking first or second in the short travel class out there. Um, and I enjoyed it, but it, for me, it was like, I always looked at it. This is the one or two, you know, races I'm doing this year. And I have to, I have to show, I have to show well, like I like bikes. I talk about bikes. Everybody knows that. And then it's been, you know, I always thought to myself, if I don't put up a good result, like it's, I'm, I won't be happy myself. And then, you know, people, I was always the way people viewed me. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I've, gotten older and I don't care as much, which is nice. And so I think having that perspective, having the right bike, and then just forcing myself to make time to go pedal, um, and try to find ways to, you know, challenge myself and make pedaling enjoyable. I think, I think it'll be a fun season. I mean, I, you know, I always like tinkering with new toys. So having the new bike will be, will be fun to play with for sure. Yeah. And you'll get there. I mean, today, look, I love 
Mark Grumke. I think he does a great job. I'm I'm grateful that somewhere like St. Joe Park exists so close to my like for me. That's my I'm in Farmington a lot. I used to always say this is such a boring trail. That's what it, I mean. It's just it just is compared to a lot of other stuff. But today I'm out there. The leaves are down. It's pretty, but I'm on a bike that's not an absolute pig to go uphill on. And I was just like, you know what? It's a nice day to be in the woods on my bike. And I yeah, I was, was. happy. Um, we've got to finish this podcast up. So uh, next podcast we do, hopefully we'll record it here soon. Uh, if you are listening to this, you need to get on our Facebook page, find the post where I post a link to this podcast, because we're going to be talking about if you could create an your your ideal race format, what would it look like? Um, uh, we're going to cover the question of should Clint apply for a tire sponsor, like a tire sponsorship? You know, maybe it's like a half off deal or something. Uh, and, and should that and it would be a non Maxxis brand if I did it. We're going to talk about Kyle's new bike, but uh, you need to get in the comments and. We need to start dreaming up if you could create an ideal race format. If it doesn't already exist, what would it look like? And I think that's what we're going to hit on next podcast a lot. Ryan, you got anything else to say before we go? Nah, that was good. Good stuff. Thanks for listening. Send us some some questions and comments and on the on the Facebook or email us and uh, we'll check it shorter than two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Stimtv at gmail.com. I promise I will check it multiple times a week. <laughs> and then by we, Ryan means Clinton will check it and respond to. Yes. <laughs> and then consult with us for, for feedback if needed. Yeah. Again, sorry, Kevin. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin, for the support and taking the time to reach out and say, hey. All right, guys. Well, We'll get this thing posted and try to record a new one soon. See ya. See ya.